It's Mark Brenay on CFAX 1070. 408 on your drive home. There have been a lot of problems with the rollout of Canada's cannabis laws. It's now legal, but there have been reports of shortages of cannabis all over the place. Not enough to go around. Who knew? Well, some would say the government's should have known all three levels of government. Let's talk about this. My guest is Michael LeBlanc. He's founder and principal of Emmy LeBlanc Company. He's also a senior retail advisor for the Retail Council of Canada. Thanks for taking the time, Michael. Yeah, good afternoon, Mark. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, what do you make of this? Uh, some people are referring to it as a cannabis conundrum. What's, what's going on and what should be going on? Well, you know, it, it's a complicated um, introduction of a product that I think generally no one thought that you kind of have the demand that we did. Best estimates was 200,000 orders between uh, between online and in-store in the first 24 hours across the country. B.C. alone had uh, 21,000 sales in the first week. And I guess, um, A, I think the demand took people by surprise, and that's probably a bit of, there's a bit of novelty factor there, you know, first to buy legal recreational cannabis, a natural demand, um, and people getting back into the market. So, you know, I, I'm not as well-versed on the licensed producers, the LPs, but I think from a capacity perspective, from managing a crop, uh, you know, they have to be careful about how much to have ready when and then when that demand smooths out, if you know what I mean. Like, that's a big peak, and it's probably not going to sustain at that. So, you know, I think they have to be careful about how much product they make. There's already concerns generally that there's too much oversupply in the fullness of time, certainly not now. Um, So, you know, all these factors are going together into what is, um, you know, a pretty big change in, in, uh, in what is retail. It just seems strange, though, that, and we've talked about this many times in the last few weeks since October 17th when the laws came into effect, uh, that here, for example, I know you're in Toronto, but here in Victoria, um, we had uh, 37, I think was the last count, uh, dispensaries, all in, in, in Victoria, in the downtown area. And uh, everything was great, everybody was happy and fine. Um, we thought we were ahead of the game here. Now I'm not certain how many of those 37 are remaining open at their own peril, of course. Yeah. Uh, but what we're seeing across the country, including here in Victoria, is this sort of this shortage. And I'm thinking, wow, uh, how do we get it wrong here in Victoria? And I know you can't, you weren't here, so maybe you can't comment on that specifically. But it just seems to me that maybe they, they rushed this. Would you agree? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you could ever time this right. I mean, it wasn't that, um, you know, folks at all three levels of government, and, and you're very right in saying that uh, there's three levels of government involved, right? So the, the federal government delegalized or, or made the product legal. It's the province's role to under to, to dictate how it gets distributed, how it goes to market. So each province is different. B.C., for example, has a mix of both private and uh, and uh, government owned. Yeah, but we've got one store, Mike, and that's and and that's in Kamloops. One government store, and frankly, one private store that's open also in in Kamloops, which is kind of odd. Uh, and then nothing here, nothing in Vancouver just yet. So that to me, that defeats the entire purpose of what Mr. Trudeau said, which was, you know, let's get rid of the black market. I had a gentleman on the show last week talking about how the black market is where he's going now because it's cheaper and it's better. Well, I, I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't speak to whether cheaper or better, but I can speak to the, you know, the fullness of time. It's only been uh, a month, uh, not even a month. Uh, so this isn't going to be an overnight thing. Um, I know in, in BC they started taking uh, the government started taking applications mid-August. 
uh, it has to go through a process where both the government reviews it and then the municipalities or the uh, indigenous nations review it. So it's it's a process that's going to take time because it is not a simple process to eliminate organized crime and and uh, and to achieve the government's objectives, right? Which is uh, protect children and youth, keep the roads safe, and and um, eliminate organized crime's role in uh, in legalized recreational cannabis. You mentioned the LPs. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> those are the ones that are producing this. Uh, yeah. The can the Cannabis Council of Canada, not to be confused with uh, the outfit that you're uh, you're uh, involved with, Retail Council of Canada. But the Cannabis Council of Canada says yeah. uh, more licenses for both producers and their grow areas are urgently needed, and and, and that's Health Canada's issue. Uh, would you agree with that? Well, I know that there's a capacity issue, um, and the. Well, I'm not well enough versed to understand short-term versus long-term. So in the short-term, I'm hearing supply shortages across the country, you know, stores in, in B.C. and New Brunswick closing for several days because they don't have enough product. So there's no denying there's not enough product today. It takes about 100 days to, to take a crop from seed to, uh, to market, and there is a very sophisticated and very involved seed-to-sale process that the producers provide to ensure quality and, and that there's not, um, you know, there's not the right things are coming out of that side. So, you know, how many licenses are out there? Seems to be a lot of them. It, you know, we'll see how the market settles in terms of capacity. We know from Stats Canada the market's about $4.5 billion and expected to grow to 6.5. We'll see if that sorts its way out and if supply meets demand. Do you think this is going to be a money maker for the government? Uh, when we were first talking about this years ago, uh, people thought, oh gosh, if they ever legalize this, especially BC Bud, the government or governments would make a mint. Uh, has that really been the case when we look down south to Washington State and, and other states that have legalized this? They're, I'm not sure if they're actually making money. Well, the, the states are. I mean, it's complicated in the U.S. because it's nationally a still a scheduled one narcotic, right? So it's a very complicated environment. Michigan, by the way, just went legal. Uh, last week, so you, I think that brings it to 10 U.S. states. It's complicated there because, unlike in Canada, nationally it's still illegal, but it's legal in the state. We're talking, of course, recreational. I do think that uh, between levy taxes and other taxes, that there's money monies to go around that's going to go into roads and infrastructures, parks and schools. And hopefully the governments will leave some money on the table for the retailers because that's what's going to create uh, or fulfill their third objective, which is, you know, have a vibrant private market uh, where retailers want to get in and and, uh, and earn themselves money earn their return on capital. So, um, you know, the way that all these governments, levels of governments need to work together and retailers will, in the fullness of time, and I keep saying that because it's only been a month, uh, this will all sort out and it's not going to be overnight. Um, it's probably going to be, I would say, a generation until you see uh, a big serious stint in the black market over time. But, you know, other nations are moving quickly. Mexico now is passing, um, you know, of all nations, is starting to pass legislation to, re- to legalize recreational cannabis. So Canada is at the very beginning, very cusp, and very influential, right? We're the first G20 nation to uh, legalize recreational cannabis. Again, the U.S. only does it at the state level. So, um, you know, these are new days for everyone. As much as it looks and feels like structure around alcohol or tobacco, it is new. And, uh, you know, I think... Um, taking time to, to sort these things out in the short term feels a little painful. Shortage of supply, as you say, exactly. There's not many, not enough stores open in B.C., but in the fullness of time, there will be. And uh, it would be great to have a similar conversation this time next year and see um, how the markets have evolved across the country.
Uh, let's take a quick break, Michael. When we'll come back, I want to find out what's happening in Ontario because I know there's also uh, a few challenges facing the government there in Canada's most populous province. My guest is Michael LeBlanc. He's founder and principal of M.E. LeBlanc & Company. He's also a senior retail advisor for the Retail Council of Canada. Now, Mark Brenay on CFAX 1070. In 10 seconds, it'll be 420. Just, just saying. We're talking about the cannabis conundrum many Canadians are facing. The sale of uh, and use of marijuana is illegal, as you know, but you can't use it if you can't buy it. And there have been many reports of shortages at government sites all over the country, including here in B.C., my guest is Michael LeBlanc. He's founder and principal of Emmy LeBlanc Company. He's a senior retail advisor for the Retail Council of Canada. What's the situation, Michael, in Ontario there? Because uh, they're still sorting some things out as well, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. With a change of government at the provincial level, we went from what was going to be government-owned distribution, online sales, and government-owned uh, brick-and-mortar sales, which is what more or less happens with uh, alcohol today. And the uh, Ford government that came into power decided to, uh, to, to allow privatization for bricks and mortar. Now, they didn't really have time to put all the, you know, it takes time to put all the standards and the rules and regs in place, so they decided April 1st, uh, in uh, Ontario, April 1st, 2019. So Ontarians today can buy, uh, can shop online, uh, and about 100,000 orders came in in the first uh, 24 hours, so very actively uh, use, but you cannot buy from uh, brick-and-mortar stores in this province until uh, until April 2019. Until April of 2019, so in the spring coming up. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the government as we speak, in fact, I had the opportunity to sit with uh, government departments last week and just talk about what are going to be the rules and regs for uh, all the different parameters. And, you know, in some ways, Ontario government's got an envious position because they can sit and look at all the different ways that the different provinces across the country have, have rolled this out. Um, but not to get into the weeds, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> I, could that all, I could do that all day, by the way. Um, they've allowed municipalities. And, and, you know, back to this issue of complexity, there's something like 3,700 municipalities in this country. There's 400 municipalities alone in Ontario, but 162 in B.C., in Ontario, municipalities have a one-time opt-out uh, clause. So by January 22nd of 2019, municipalities can opt out of having brick-and-mortar retail, and further, uh, in, Indigenous uh, communities can opt out of both brick-and-mortar and mail-order delivery. Uh, so uh, we'll see how... Um, how things progress, but uh, 2019 is going to be interesting. Uh, now, why would uh, a municipality want to opt out? Well, you know, different, different municipalities already put their hands up and said, maybe this isn't for us. Um, some are taking, a, a, you know, taking the pulse of their community. Now, why it's so late is because we just had municipal elections here, so there's, a, there's brand new municipal governments uh, across the province who really haven't even convened yet, so there's new mayors and new... Yeah, same situation here. They've just started to now, but same thing here in B.C. So some, some municipalities are a little worried about the enforcement. Uh, some municipalities are just worried that it's not for their particular community. No matter what happens, each individual license will have some kind of um, community review process. That happens in B.C. as well. Um, right now it's posted at 15 days. We're not quite sure how that's going to roll out. But, you know, once the, um, the Ontario government grants a license to open up a brick-and-mortar store, the community that it's in, assuming that they have not... Assuming that they're in a community or municipality that has not opted out completely, 
the community itself has some time. But what we did like about what Ontario is talking about is they're not allowing municipalities to pass any kind of new zoning or bylaws. And that's happened across the country and has created just this patchwork of very difficult to navigate um, municipal level uh, regulation that is that is uh, driving retailers a little bonkers. So we're, we're happy about that from uh, from the province of Ontario. Uh, as you mentioned, each province seems to have its own unique way of uh, of setting up the system. Uh, from your perch in Toronto, and you've looked at this across the country, is there one that stands out as maybe being the better or the best of all the provinces? In which you know some some have it. You know, it's like uh, here in BC as an example. It's a, it's private stores will eventually be allowed. Uh, right now, it's just uh, the 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 the, um, the the government run store, and as I say, there's just one as we speak. And of course, yes, you can go online, but there's different ways of doing it. Alberta's is different from BC's, which is different from Ontario's. Which, in your mind, is is the better way of doing it? Well, um, the uh, Alberta as a province has really set forward a path where they. See um, cannabis as a way to diversify their economy. So they've been the most forward-thinking and have put in the most planning. So um, that particular provincial government is very, uh, I'd call it a light touch, where there's not a lot of regulations. Now, they did allow some of the municipalities to have some, which is causing a bit of, uh, a bit of grief. And there's some, you know, the devil is in the details, right? So, you know, what is defined as a park uh, turns out to be a bit problematic. In other words, if it's a stream that runs down a long path, no one actually gathers there and it's defined as a park. Now you've got constraints around where you can locate your store. But on the whole, I'd say Alberta um, has got a, a good model. And, and really, every province has got a model that um, that suits their community. And, and, you know, these things will evolve over time. We've been talking about uh, this. these are early days. And we'll see how it rolls out uh, in Ontario, where they have the ability to both uh, look across the country and, of course, Many of these municipalities have looked down south to uh, states like Colorado and see what's worked there and what hasn't worked there. And that's why you have, for example, the, the federal government delaying um, the legalization of edibles because the, the feedback from markets in the U.S. was uh, be careful with edibles. They, they interact differently with people, so go slow, slower than fast. So that's um, edibles are scheduled to be legalized a year from today. So you know, that just gives you an example of the, the longer view that I think governments are taking and, and uh, at all levels. Uh, do you think that some governments, some provincial governments, should look at how, um, th- how they distribute alcohol and try to learn from it? I'm sure they did. Uh, but is there something to learn that could be yeah, applied sure, to, to, to the marijuana cannabis business? And that's probably, for many provinces, that was probably the starting place, um, notwithstanding the fact that alcohol is, an, is not really a big online product. Uh, so there's a bit of a difference there. And, you know, when when you look at where and how uh, alcohol stores are are done, you know, Alberta, it's a privatized model. Again, they kind of picked up on that and and ran with that in the cannabis space. Uh, B.C. as well, with uh, both uh, a mix of private and and, uh, government. And in Ontario, that was a bit of a turnaround. Just now, I mean, just past year, can Ontarians buy uh, beer from their local grocery store? That's very new for Ontario. So I think the uh, the new Ford government decided to to go and take that uh, farther to its natural conclusion to achieve the objective of creating a, a vibrant market that would again uh, over time eliminate uh, the black market and eliminate organized crime's role in uh, in recreational cannabis. Uh, with the work that you do with the Retail Council of Canada and your background. Um 
Do you think that that's doable when the prime minister says what we're going to do is we are going to erode the black market, eventually we are going to kill the black market? Uh, do you think that that is uh, a task that actually is doable? Yes. I mean, uh, the important question is when. I think it's going to take a generation potentially. But I talk to landlords uh, every day who are, you know, the, one of the biggest landlords in the country, uh, Rio Canis, said that this is about a $300 million real estate opportunity. There's people hiring, they're creating jobs. You know, retailers are very good at creating markets where there's opportunities. You see that in each and every province in different ways. So, Again, um, it's early days. Uh, I do think uh, if you cast back to when, um, you know, alcohol was prohibition and alcohol, and then it became owned by the provinces. So, uh, you know, I do think that there's lessons to be learned, um, and the the approach is is sound, broadly speaking, from all three levels of government, uh, with some tweaks uh, as we go. We'll hold it at that, Michael. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Take care. Ah, It's great to talk to you again, Mark. You as well. Thank you.